Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro. As always, I appreciate you tuning into the podcast. We've created a questionnaire to better understand you, the listener, and what it is that keeps you coming back to listen to the podcast. We want to know what's working for you and what you want more or possibly less of. Please take a few minutes to head over to bit.ly forward slash made visible podcast to fill this out. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash made visible podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. So today's guest is someone I was told to follow on Instagram as I launched the podcast over the summer. Jen Pasteloff travels the world with her unique workshop on being human, a hybrid of yoga-related movement, writing, sharing out loud, letting the snot fly, and then an occasional <laughs> dance party. I've been following her through No Pants Sunday featuring her adorable son and now the launch of her new memoir on being human. What I love most about Jen is that she doesn't try to be anyone but herself. I'm so excited to share our guest with you today. Welcome, Jen Pasteloff. Thank you. So happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here and finally have some good earphones so I can actually hear. (laughs) Yeah, so today we're going to dig in a little bit about Jen's hearing. And yesterday when we went to record this episode, we had some difficulties as Jen was looking for some earbuds that would work, that would go along with her hearing aids, and we had to reschedule. It was a bit of a thing, but I'm excited to talk about this and sort of how it affects your life and your business and all that. So why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners who you are, where you live, and what you do? Who I am? Oh, wow. It's funny. I don't know if you can hear this right now, but I so I kept my hearing aids in because it, without it, I couldn't hear, but now I have feedback. So if you hear the feedback, just let me know. I'm good. Okay. Um, who am I? My name is Jennifer. Jen. Everyone calls me Jen. And I am a writer, which I'm getting used to saying. Um, it's not that I, I've been a writer for a while, but I've always sort of, uh, I don't know, struggled with saying that out loud because I didn't have a book in the world and, you know, various ways that we uh, identify ourselves with our attached to the, you know, accomplishment of it or what we think it should look like. So I'm practicing saying, um, just owning it. I'm a writer. And I'm, I like that you said I, I don't try to be anyone but myself, which is really true. And it's taken me a while to get there, um, to really like myself more than I did, you know, let's say when I was in my 20s or 30s. <laughs> um, I'm a mom. And I am, let's call it a professional listener which is deeply ironic because I'm profoundly hard of hearing. I'm deaf without my hearing aids. And it's just, it gets worse basically like each day, but as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse, but I've created a livelihood out of listening. So it's really um, spectacular and exciting. And when I say that out loud, it, it still gives me goosebumps because it reminds me of just like what's possible in life, you know, the like, who to thunk it. <laughs> Um, you know, but you know, I, so I lead these workshops that include all the things you said in in my bio and what happens is people share. And because I read lips, even with my hearing aids, I have to get in really close. So I'm like 
in their face, you know, on their lap. Not really, but but so you really feel heard. So I'm really like up in there. And that that's been a game changer. How did you get into doing what you do? Um, buy my book. No, just kidding. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, it's funny because it, it's always so, it's always so, you know, I, I feel like it should be like, you know, A, B, C, D, but it wasn't, it was, you know, my whole life led me here as it were. I'd always written since I was a child. And when I went to NYU, I studied poetry and I always knew that I, that I wanted to use my writing to connect, you know, and I loved reading it out loud. And I, I, di- I always wanted to connect with people. And so when I, I dropped out of school and I started waiting tables as a summer gig, which ended up being almost 14 years. Haha. And um, I'm sure someone listening can relate to that, you know, like feeling stuck or waking up one day and going, Oh my God, it's been a decade or whatever. But I used to, you know, I was a terrible waitress, but I was really good with people. And so I became um, a yoga teacher, not because I wanted to teach yoga, but because I was severely depressed and I wanted to die. And I, I went on antidepressants and I was doing a lot of yoga. And when I went on antidepressants, my friends had suggested a yoga training. And I thought before the antidepressants, it sounded like the worst idea in the world. And then when I took the meds, I was like, huh. Not that I wanted to be a yoga teacher, but I thought this is a possible way out of this stuckness, of this depression, of, you know, it's something, it's, it's forward motion, right? It's like, um, it's what I talk about all the time in my workshops, which is now what? So instead of me just whining about waitressing, I was like, okay, so here's something. So I, I studied yoga teacher training and I still didn't want to be a yoga teacher, but I ended up teaching one class and I loved it. And I was, I realized I was really good at it. Um, because of that same, like, I'm good with people and teaching. And so I, I started getting really, uh, hustling. I I was still waiting tables. I would, I got these business cards made. I would drop them down with every check. I mean, I was like, never did this when I was trying to be an actress, which wasn't trying very hard at that or with anything. And I was like, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. And I started getting some privates and, and I decided I want to lead a workshop. And this was hilarious because I had no idea what that even meant or what a workshop would look like. And um, I got hired on a fluke by these life coaches to lead a, they were doing a retreat and they asked me to, to lead just the yoga section of it, which was like an hour a day. But they'd fly me to Mexico and it was such a big deal for me. And it was this beautiful opportunity. But I went down there and I thought, Huh, I think I could do this. So I saw what they were doing, just how they were opening people up. And so um, I said, I want to lead a workshop. And I went and I kind of just started talking and, and I had people write on these little sticky notes uh, what they wanted to manifest, what they wanted to create into their lives. But as time went on, I started getting more courageous and doing less yoga. And it just started to morph into what it is now. And a lot of that was because I started writing again and writing personal essays and developing a following, even though I'm, I hate that word. It just sounds so obnoxious, but, um, so you must really love the word influencer. Then. It's, ugh, vomit. Hold on. I like, vomit in my coffee cup. Um, no, it's just, it's just, it's, it all, it just sounds yucky to me, but, um, but for lack of a better word, I, you know, I got a following and, and the more I started to be myself, like talk about the fact that I can't hear, that I struggle with depression, that I don't practice yoga that much, but I teach it, that I drink a lot of coffee, that I drink a lot of wine, probably too much, you know, that I curse. I was 
realizing that people were really um, drawn to me. And I thought, oh, that's incredible. All I have to do is be myself. Oh, my God. And, you know, I started teaching these workshops and just getting more and more courageous where I would never really wanted to be a yoga teacher. So I thought, well, if I'm not calling it a yoga workshop or a yoga retreat, how am I going to get people in the room? Because I kind of tricked them. I'd say it's a yoga retreat. And then they got there and it was like a human experience. But as I started to, I don't know, get older, get more confident, get more experienced, went through an ectopic pregnancy, all the things I went through, I started going, you know what, I could do whatever the flip I want to do. And so I dropped the yoga from the title. I don't say anymore, this is a yoga retreat. But how I started doing this, I say, is is my whole life really led up to this. You know, what I do is a culmination of everything, including my hearing loss, including, you know, my depression, all of it. And, and I think a little bit is, I don't know, you know, it feels a little magic. So I don't know. Some days I wake up and go, how did I get so lucky? I truly love what I do, which doesn't mean that I have, you know, my life is perfect or I have perfect days, but I feel so, so lucky. I love that so much because I feel like you're just being so true to you. And in going through this yoga teacher training, you were like, this isn't really me. So how can I put my own spin on it? And I think like really similarly for my business is I went through a coaching training program in 2014. And I remember halfway through the training, I wrote a whole blog post about this. I called a really good friend of mine and we were on the phone and I'm going, how am I going to remember all of these tools and skills and all this stuff that they taught me? I don't give a shit sort of. And he was basically like, you have these tools in your back pocket. And if you use them with clients, great. And if not, you know that you can utilize them. And what I realized over the years as I got more comfortable being a coach was that I put my own spin and there are people that would not hire me if they are looking for a corporate business coach or someone who's formal or someone who's going to write a legit business plan because that's not the kind of stuff I do. I do a lot of amazing work with my clients, but it's my own unique technique and that works for some people and definitely doesn't work for others. But if I tried to fit into this box of corporate business coach, it just would feel so blech. Oh, yeah. I completely resonate with what you're saying because um, when someone wants to come on my retreat, say to Italy or France or somewhere, my mom, God bless her, helps me. And, you know, so she's she writes an email like, why do you want to come? We like to know. And basically, it's just so I know we're on the same page because if someone says, well, I'm looking how to, you know, you know, really uh, learn about alignment and, and, or lose weight or do, you know, power yoga. And then I, oh, it's not, it's not for me. Okay, great. And, and that's actually great. Cause then I know, and there's lovely retreats and there's other things I could send them to, but that's not what you're going to get with me. Totally. And I also love the idea that you talked about the box, because one of the things in my workshop and my book is something I call the just a box, which is a name I made up because, you know, I found myself I'm just a waitress. I'm just a girl. I'm just a mom, you know, and it's such bullshit. And this idea that we can create whatever we want to in life. I mean, and I'm not saying at all to everyone listening that you can go out and create whatever and it's going to make you a millionaire. No, because I'm certainly not a millionaire, (laughs) but you can, like you can make something up that's not inside the box. Right. And there's, there is no box. We've, We've just bought into this. Like, you're not just a, just a anything. So I'm not just a yoga teacher. I'm not just a, you know, whatever. I make my clients remove that word from their language all the time. It's so minimizing. It's so, 
Yeah, it's so minimizing. Also, I wanted to say, I always think about with my coaching training is that if I had to take some sort of follow-up or final exam for my training from four years ago, for 100% sure that I would fail because I am not following anything that they taught me. Same, same. And I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. It was valuable for what it was at that time. Um, So let's dive into more of the hearing related stuff because that's obviously what we're here for. So tell us a little bit about when you first discovered that your hearing wasn't like other people. When I really noticed it, like to the point where I thought, okay, I can't hear, I think was about 20 years ago and I was in acting school and I really uh, noticed I had, I can't hear. So I kept, I would always sit in the front and then, but then I, you know, I think back and I think my whole life I've always sat in the front in, in class and people always told me I didn't pay attention. And then, so I have really bad tinnitus, like terrible. I mean, sometimes, honestly, it makes me feel like I want to commit suicide. It's been that bad. It's just so, it's, it's really hard. And, um, and I thought back to a memory, and this is in my book, of being a little girl. And when I used to concentrate, write, color, whatever, I used to make this awful droning sound, like, I mean, for hours, but really loud. I didn't want to make anyone weep. So I didn't uh, do it like I really did it. But And people would make fun of me. You know, why do you make that noise? And then, I don't know, I think it was about 10 years ago, it hit me and I got so emotional. I've always had tinnitus. I just didn't know what it was. And, I, and you know, so as a child, I was trying to mimic it. So, and then I think back, always all the, all the teachers saying, you know, you don't pay attention, you don't pay attention. So, uh, but progressively it got worse as I got older. And I always, it was, it was just something I didn't want to deal with. I'm very uh, much an expert at not dealing with things, at avoiding. So it got, you know, until basically I couldn't hear completely was when I faced it. Um, my friends even once, you know, in my 20s had an intervention with me. We'll go to the audiologist with you. And I was crying and I and I never did. I didn't until, wow. yeah. Oh, I was ashamed. I was scared. I was, you know, in denial. But um, what about your parents? Well, my father has passed away and he died when I was eight. And um, interestingly enough, my my dad's sister has hearing loss and my sister does, too. She just had to get um, hearing aids. So I don't know. But my mom, you know, I don't know. My mom, my mom did the best she could. And that's like a big part of my book, too, which is looking back and being like, why did you let me drop out of school? Why didn't you, you know, force me to do this? Why didn't you make me go to the doctor? But especially as a mom now, I realize, you know, we are doing the best we can. So I think, um, especially when I started discovering it, like really 20 years ago, I was always saying things like, I'm going to go deal with it tomorrow, 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 and years would pass. So uh, I don't know how I was getting by in the world, but it certainly wasn't as bad as it is now, by far. What changed that got you to the point that you had to get hearing aids and you decided to take the initiative? It's a great story, actually. Um, so Don't tell me that I have to wait for your book. No, no, I'm going to tell you right now. So, <laughs> I, um, so I finally started, you know, like being less ashamed, which you know, someone asked me recently, why were you ashamed? I don't know. I mean, shame doesn't make any sense. I felt broken. I felt, I don't know, disabled. I, I, you know, fear. So I finally was like, okay, if only I could afford hearing aids, 
because I re- I looked into it and I realized uh, they're ridiculously expensive and, he- and health insurance doesn't cover it. And so I wrote this blog. I can't remember what year it was. Let's let's say 10 years ago around then, maybe a little less. I got married in 2010. So I think it was right before then. Let's say eight years ago. I wrote a blog and in it, I said something like, uh, alluding to the fact that if only I could afford hearing aids, I'd finally wear them. And I was always, you know, ashamed before and now I'm like just give me a pair you know and I and someone that took my yoga class who I thought hated me she used to come to my yoga class and just read the paper before and just you know not smile and and I, I thought you know this whatever she just so it was just it was it was a really great reminder of the stories that we make up about people so she calls me I forget how she had my phone number and she said Jennifer what are you doing right now and I said um walking down the street whatever I was doing she said go to this uh, audiologist in Beverly Hills. She has a pair of hearing aids for you. I read your blog. I, I'm, I have connections. Go get them. And it was just one of the most moving things in my life, especially because I thought the lady hated me. You know, it's like it's one of my favorite quotes. It's worse than you think. They're not thinking about you at all. But, <laughs> but I thought, oh my god. So I went, and this woman in Beverly Hills, this little audiologist office. A man had died, an old man, and his wife. He barely wore them maybe once. His wife donated them back. And so they weren't perfect, but they were they were gifted to me. And it was life-changing. So the pair I have now are, are way better, and they're fitted to me, and they're, like, you know, super-duper fancy uh, Bluetooth. But these were, like, oh, my God. And, and I just didn't realize how much I'd been missing. So um, it really took the kindness of someone really of like, you know, my whole thing is I got you. Someone was read my word and said, I got you. So it was really profound. It was total gift in every sense of the word. What a cool story. And it's sort of strange that that's the way that it got you there, but that's the way that it got you there. And here you are. It is. And it's not, you know, I look back, especially writing the book, I look back at all the things in my life, you know, like one of the classic stories for me is like, I never dealt with getting this, um, root uh, crown over a root canal and my tooth fell out and I still am missing a tooth it's like I just tend to avoid and and even though I know things don't take care of themselves just somehow you know I go tomorrow 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 so um yeah it really like it took it took where it got I had to be, basically be at rock bottom with my hearing and then the fact that it's gotten progressively worse is of course terrifying but I'm learning sign language now. So that's exciting. What made you do that? Well, I'd wanted to, and I, so like embarrassing to admit, but I'm really uncoordinated. Um, and so a lot of it was fear. Like I'm not going to be able to, uh, learn it, you know, but I realized as my hearing was getting worse and worse, you know, it it got really bad when I was pregnant and I don't know why. And I've heard that from other people with hearing loss, but, um, it'd been something that I wanted to do, but like most things I said, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And this woman, this amazing woman named Deanne Barker came to my retreat in Tuscany last fall, one year ago, like this week. And she did the most spectacular thing behind my back they all plotted something which is very easy to do because I can't hear like it's great so they can always like play practical jokes or plan a surprise and I'm you know none the wiser so she spent the week teaching everyone how to say I got you which is like my go-to saying and also and also I have done love which is um 
a quote of mine, which is, um, when I get to the end of my life and I ask one final, what have I done? Let my answer be, I've done love. So she taught everyone how to say, I got you and I have done love. So I walked in and they were all dressed up and they all were signing that to me. And it was just, I have the video, I'll send it to you. It was just one of those moments in life. Um, and I knew I, I want to learn. And so the woman who assists me, who comes on my retreats now and leads um, meditation, her name is Cherry. And she's so we're talking about a month ago. And she said, I have an idea because I have a retreat to France in May that's sold out. But, but she said, I have an idea. What if we brought Dee to France and she teaches sign language there? And I thought, that's great. So I asked Dee and I said, would you do me a trade? Would you come to my retreat for free and give me sign language and lessons? So she's been sending me videos and then also come to the retreat and just teach like two public classes. I just think it's like, it's amazing. Like, why didn't I learn that in school? Why don't we know that? Why don't I know it? I learned it in camp, actually. I'm sitting here like doing the alphabet as you're saying all of this, because I remember it from camp and loving it and remembering why did I not take this further? So frustrating. One of my best friends took it in college. And I remember sort of being like, why would you do that? But it is definitely valuable. It is. And it's also, you know, it's it's like it, the idea of ableism. It's really there should be, we all really should know sign language. It should be available. It should, there should always be, um, interpreters. And I don't know. I don't know why. I think nowadays more, my son's in preschool and he, the other day he was yesterday, he was signing to me and I was, where did that come from? So I asked his teacher, she's like, yeah, I've been, we've been teaching it to them. It's amazing. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I go to a lot of live music shows and I have to say at a lot of festivals or most festivals, they do have someone there that is signing and it's always awesome to watch them and wonder who's watching and actually needs it. Exactly. And, and it's like right now I don't know it. And so that, that is frustrating to me, but um, it's, it's really beautiful the way that we can communicate. I agree. So you mentioned uh, your son who's adorable. Thank you. And I recently watched your Instagram story where you kept saying to him to look at you while he speaks. Because you do read his lips. I know, and it's so funny because just even just now I was doing it, and he had a book covering his mouth, and I go, like as if he. I mean, he'll he'll learn to understand, but I, I forget, you know, because I say that to everyone. People cover their mouth, and I say, I no, I, I gotta see your lips. Um, <laughs> so what's parents like with hearing loss? Then say so. Of course, I didn't hear what you just said. Say it again. What's parenting like with hearing oh, loss? It's really hard, and sometimes I get. Yesterday I was depressed. You know, after you and I. Um, I was just so frustrated when I couldn't um, do the podcast yesterday because, you know, what happens when I don't have the headphones, the sound, it's like, it's like too diluted. You know what I mean? So yeah. when we wake up in the morning or we go to bed at night, I don't want my hearing aids to sleep. So I don't know what he's saying. So thank God my husband's there, but um, it's hard. And when he was a little baby, especially, you know, people will say things like, oh, maternal instinct, you'll know when he's crying. Let me tell you, that's bullshit. No, if you can't hear, no. So I'm sorry. That's not true. Um, obviously, if he's in front of me, I can see. But like, if he's in the other room and he's crying, it's not like some like magic radar. No, I understand sometimes. You know, if you're breastfeeding, maybe your 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 milk would let down or something. But it's really, really, really hard. And sometimes it's really scary. And when I'm by myself, it, it's um, it's hard. So thank God I have these wonderful hearing aids that also were gifted to me, which is a story I'll tell later. But 
you know, it's, it's hard and it's scary, but things can be worse. And I think I know that everyone's up against something. I'm convinced of that. And so um, when I feel sorry for, my, for myself, I just try to get myself in check. And also I have some sound, you know, it's not like it's completely dark unless the hearing aids are out. And the thing is, you know, the tinnitus is so loud. So with the hearing aids, they make everything else louder. So the tinnitus isn't so overwhelming, but it's definitely hard and um, frustrating. And, you know, especially with a toddler already, it's hard to understand sometimes half the stuff he's saying. So it's part of it. As long as you have him saying no can Sunday, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So you've said that even people who know you forget that you have hearing loss and that strangers obviously have no idea. How, if at all, do you explain to people or remind people that you're hard of hearing? That's a great question. You know, I've gotten a lot better at telling people, but normally I I forget. I somehow think everyone can read my mind. Um, And then it's like the other day I was so exhausted. I, I was, um, I was actually at Charlie's school and, um, you know, talking to people and I have to keep saying what, what, and then 20 minutes in, I go, Oh, by the way, I read lips. It's exhausting. I feel like I'm whining right now, but it is, it's really exhausting because I work so hard to hear and then to, and then to constantly have to explain myself. So a lot of times I just withdraw because it's just so much work, but I've gotten a lot better at right up front saying, Oh, by the way, I read lips. I'm hard of hearing. And I usually kind of point to my hearing aids because I present as a, you know, a hearing person and I speak really well and I enunciate. So people are confused when I say that or they think I'm joking, which is really common. Really? Oh, yeah. Like if I sometimes, um, you know, okay, let's say I'm in Starbucks and I order something and they ask me my name and I don't hear them. So I say, excuse me, or what? They think I'm just not paying attention or being an airhead. They roll their eyes. What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm deaf. And then people go, Cause you know how people say things like, I'm so deaf, I'm so blind. So I think yeah. people think I'm kidding. So I pull my hearing aids, I go, no, really. If I had a dime for every time I have to say, no, really, I'm not kidding. Oh my God, at least once a day. I wonder if it's because your speech is so good and unfortunately people are so insensitive. Well, of course. And, and because, you know, this is one of the things I was so insecure about or paranoid. And then I really had to just embrace my own knowing was there are going to be people in the deaf community who are completely fully deaf that are probably going to say, well, she's not deaf or, um, you know, so I asked a friend of mine I met who's a sign language interpreter. And she says, you know, if you can't hear without your hearing aids, you, you can, you call yourself whatever you want. You know, I mean, you're, you get to say, but, um, yeah. So it's, I just think it's like, because I don't, have any kind of impaired speech well I might I've had people go oh that's why you talk like that or that's why your voice is like that well what (laughs) what's my voice like I know I talk loud a lot and that is because I'm so conscious like I can never hear and I never want anyone to say what I can't hear you so I speak really loud and I enunciate and I'm, I'm aware that I do that but I'd rather do that than have someone not be able to hear me so I have kind of a booming voice. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the deaf community. Are you in any sort of communities yeah. or Facebook groups or anything? No, because I've never, until recently, I've never had any deaf friends and because I never signed. And so now this is like a whole new world. And and because it is getting progressively worse, and I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, as I age. But once I learn sign language, I think it'll be easier. 
and you know, there, there's always going to be someone, there's always going to be someone that has something to say always for the rest of our lives. So, you know, without my hearing aids, I don't know what to say, except that I, I can't hear. I can hear a little bit of sound. It's muffled. It's so true that people are always going to have something to say. I was with my friend yesterday with her six week old baby and her legs were dangling out of the, you know, carrier. And I was like, Oh, those legs. So cute. And she was like, there was a woman on the street that stopped me to say her legs were too small. And I was like, oh, Wait, what? my God. And then she was just sort of like, well, how old is she? Because she looks so little. And my friend oh my was like, God. she's only six weeks. Like, are you what? Like, everyone has something to say. And I know. Tell you how to parent and how to live your life and what to do. And you just have to come to a terms with. Everyone's got their opinions and you've got to live the life you want to live. Our lives are so nuanced. So it took me a lot to to come to even be able to admit I had hearing loss. And now, you know, that it's gotten so bad. It, it's, just, it's just, it's nothing's black and white, you know? Do you feel like you're at the point where it's something you just can't ignore and you have to own? 100%, which is why I'm so uh, upfront about it now. I mean, it's interesting. I there's this woman I know, and and she's always like, she'll, she'll introduce me. She'll go, oh, she can't hear, or she like does this pity thing, and I don't, you know, attach any story to it or meaning. I just like I'm really straightforward. Oh, by the way, just look at me. Just know I read lips, and oh, by the way, I don't, I I can't hear without my hearing aids, and um, even even with them, I I struggle. So it's just really straightforward. People are like, oh, great, thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me. And then they look at me and it's great. And then they understand if I keep asking what or pardon or I'm sorry or that I'm not just not paying attention that it's, you know, but um, I remember when I used to wait tables and again, I was in such denial, but I always, you know, I squatted down so I could get to the level of their mouth and I was always reading lips and like, it felt really intimate. And, um, and I always was like, it's the acoustics, it's the high ceilings. It's just loud in here. So when I finally started to, admit about my hearing loss people this was such a, a common thing i heard oh that makes sense oh, well what do you mean oh we just thought you were an airhead or a snob <laughs> yeah, because think about how many times people were calling my name or or saying things and i wouldn't respond or all the time mishearing 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 i mean nine times out of ten so and now i'm just right away right off the bat and sometimes i forget but right off the bat, I just, you know, okay, here it is up front. How would you say it plays into the work that you do? Well, you know, it's beautiful. I, I like I said, I, I'm a professional listener or whatever I called myself in the spot that I made up. But um, I call it fierce listening. Um, it, it's actually incredible. I think because of my loss, I've learned how to listen, which is why I love the idea of sign language. But I've learned how to listen in other ways like in a full body way and with the lip reading and with my heart, really, even though I know it sounds corny, but it's true. And, and with my hands. And so I've become like people quite often will say, Oh, Jen's the best listener I've ever experienced, which I love. Um, it plays in phenomenally. It's hard when I'm not in control, when I'm not the teacher or the leader, it's hard. So when I'm a student in a class, it's really hard. Because when I'm the teacher, I can move around. I can walk and like get in someone's face to read their lips. There's all these things I could do when it's my room, you know? Yeah. Um, 
it's so I always I feel really disempowered when I'm not in control because of the hearing issue because I just feel like I miss so much. I I rely even I mean God bless my hearing aids, but even with them I absolutely have to see lips or I'm it just sounds like underwater speech. That's got to be so frustrating, but I'm thrilled to hear that you're owning it and recognizing that, you know, getting a good pair of hearing aids is valuable. And obviously learning sign language is valuable, especially when your son is learning it in preschool. I know. I mean, it is frustrating. And it's, it's, um, you know, I was talking to my husband about this last night with, you know, he lost his father recently and we're just going through some stuff. And I said, you know, we really have to come back to being in a place of deep gratitude. So as frustrating as it is, I always try to recognize what what I've created with the gifts from it and, and all the, I have to be grateful for so I don't fall into that like oh life is so hard you know and there's so many people that I've met through the work that I do on my website that have really hard lives I mean really and it's it's humbling so it's uh yeah it's hard and it sucks but it's not the end of the world by far so on a more positive note You've written a book that's now available for pre-order as of days ago called On Being Human. Tell A memoir, a memoir of waking up, living real and listening hard. (laughs) I love that so much. So tell us a little bit about the book and how, if any, it touches on your experience with hearing loss. Well, you know, the listening hard is really that, um, in the subtitle, which is great. It's, it's, it talks a lot about, about my hearing loss. Um, the book is really oh, such an achievement. I still, it still doesn't feel real. You know, uh, I started writing when I was a little girl. And then I, when I went to NYU, I found poetry and I thought I was going to be a poet and live in, I could, in the world of academia and, and all these things. And uh, I got through three years of NYU and I was a scholar and I was severely depressed and I wanted to die and I had anorexia and I left school to take a semester off and I never went back. And I became a waitress. And um, here and again, I wrote poems, but very uh, sporadically. So as I came back into my writing, as I mentioned earlier, when I did the yoga teacher training and um, I started doing these personal essays and people were reading them and connecting and I said, I want to write a book. And so another one of those things, like dealing with my hearing loss, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I just kept talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And I finally did it. I finally did it. And so I, um, I wrote the proposal and I sold the book on proposal, which is incredible and amazing and also completely stress inducing and hard because you know you sell the book and then you go oh god I gotta write it how Um, long did that process then take to write it believe it or not not that long because like I said I've been talking about writing it for so long and the truth was I was writing for all this time so I had tons of writing on my computer so really a lot of it was excavation and was putting it together and was piecing it together so from the time I sold it you know about a about a year or, or even less than a year. I sold it in like October and then I, I turned in my first draft in May. So it wasn't that long, but um, a lot of it was written. It was really uh, for me putting it together. And, and that's like, that was the hardest part for me, the um, the structure and putting it together and, and making it all um, make sense. So it wasn't just 
random writings, but not as long as you would have thought. And now, yeah, now it's in copy edits and it's coming out in June and people are going, you know, sharing it online and buying it. Uh, Pre-orders are so important, which is, I had no idea before I entered this world. I saw a lot of posts from one of my favorite high school bands, Snow Patrol, about the about that. What is that about? So one of my very best friends in the world is in the band. Um, I mean, they're all great, great guys. But my my friend Nathan Connolly, he's like my brother, uh, really, really just like soul brother. And um, yeah, but how I know them is I used to be um, Gary, the lead singer. I used to be his yo- private yoga teacher. And then mm-hmm. um, also Nathan's yoga teacher, private. I don't even I don't even do yoga privates anymore. But but the funny thing is about Gary, um, who's so lovely and just incredible human being. Um, years ago, when I was doing privates for him, he wrote a testimonial for me. I said, will you write a testimonial? And he wrote something like, I have to Google and find it, but he wrote something like, she's as nice as can be, but she's deaf as a post. <laughs> and I put it on my website because I thought it was hilarious. It was right <gasps> when I got hearing aids. So... Um, He's a great sense of humor. I mean, he's truly... I love that. Yeah. They were the first show that I ever went to by myself. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. I had two tickets and was supposed to go with a friend, and she got stuck in Philadelphia or something, and my whole thing was I didn't want to go to a show with someone that didn't give a shit about the band. And so I'd rather be alone and enjoy it myself than drag a friend along. Oh, my God. So have you heard their new album? It's just wonderful. I haven't. I need to oh, do that. Oh, it's called Wildness. It's so good. It's so, so, so beautiful and good. They're toying right now with Ed Sheeran. Amazing. And, um, I yeah. Check that out when we get off. They're, oh, oh, you, it's just so moving. Really? So wait, I just Googled Gary and my name because I couldn't remember exactly what he said. So he said, this was 2010. He goes, Jennifer is an awesome creature. I was like four planks of wood nailed together haphazardly before I started with her. And she has somehow fashioned rubber from wood. Well, I can touch my toes now anyway. As patient as delightful a teacher and person you could hope for. She's deaf as a post, though. So be prepared for some confusing discussions whilst in down dog. If she can fix me, she can fix anyone. I mean, that's so funny to me. That is fantastic. Right? If she's deaf as a post. And it's true always. So I still teach yoga just a tiny bit in Los Angeles, just two hours a week. And I, if someone's new, I always ask them their name. And I don't know why I do it because I never know. So I lean over and, and I say, oh, what's your name? And she'll say, and I'll go, Sarah? She goes, no, you know, whatever. <laughs> Completely. Like, and it never gets old. I never. And then I go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm hard of hearing. <laughs> why do I even ask? I mean, it's so... So speaking of your hearing aids, you mentioned that the current pair were gifted to you. Tell us more. Okay. So, so the pair that were donated to me from the dead man, basically from the sweet uh, student of mine who got them, I lost them and I was so upset. And so I um, was really struggling because, you know, I had gotten used to life with hearing aids, so now I don't have them again, and I can't afford them. They're like, you know, the pair I have in my ears now are about nine something, and uh, and someone, this woman in Philadelphia named Natalie um, Levin, created a GoFundMe for me. And before I could, you know, say my name, there was ten thousand dollars on it, and all these people, 
it took, I think it was less than a week who had been in my workshop saying, you know, how much Jenna's given me and how much, you know, and from $5 to each stranger, like a thousand. And so, yeah, I got all this money and I was able to get this really great pair that connect with Bluetooth and I can adjust them. And so I can hear no one. It's funny because if I'm on the phone or saying no one can tell because I have the hearing aids in. So right. it's like, you can't, you know, see anything, but they're, they're really high end. They're really great. And I was able to do that from all these people, some strangers, some not mostly people that I've touched in some way through my workshops or writing or my website or social media donated. And That's so special. It was so incredible. And a really good lesson in asking for help and receiving it, being open to receive. Absolutely. So speaking of these people, who are the people that should be reading your book? Everyone in the world, Harper. Everyone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it's funny, Pat Oswalt, who I adore, and he um he was one of my regulars at the newsroom, and he's just hugely famous comedian, actor, writer, but he, he said it's a beacon of hope from someone who was very far away from that hope and managed to find her way back. And really, I think that's what it is. It's like, you know, uh, I'm so imperfect as we all are, but really embracing that and someone who felt like they were stuck for so long. So anyone who at all has ever felt stuck or hopeless or dealt with depression or felt like they don't fit in or felt like they have nothing to offer or felt like they're not enough. So I joke when I say everyone, but really it is everyone. It's interesting because I look at my workshops and a lot of times, you know, people say, what's your demographic? And I really don't have one. Some, I mean, I have women, I have people from teenagers to women in their seventies, predominantly women, but not always, but like, there's no, you know, uh, demographic. It's not like, you know, young fit 20 year olds. It's not, it's no, it's just across the gamut. So it's pretty spectacular. So I'm hoping my book will have that same human appeal. Of course, as always, there's going to be just like we talked about before, there's always I call it the one in the 100. There's always the one that doesn't like it or however many and you know, knowing me, I'll focus on them, but I'm going to do my best not to. <laughs> yeah, so not worth your energy. It's a time to be celebrating. I know, I know. So how can people learn more about you, your retreats, pre-ordering the book, and connect with you? Um, I'm in the middle of redoing my website right now by by Orange Custard, who was re- referred to me by my publisher, and she's been incredible. So jenniferpastelauf.com. Uh, I spend the most time on Instagram at jenpastelauf. And my book is available for pre-order through Penguin Random House, Amazon, just Google my name, Jennifer Pasolaf, and On Being Human. Sometimes it's funny, I, I've over the years, you know, someone will end up at my retreat and I'll go, <laughs> I'll go, how did you get here? And they say, I Googled depression. So I joke, I, I've cornered the market on depression and hearing loss because a lot of times now I have all these people with hearing loss or tinnitus and then depression. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can on Amazon or, you know, through my website or through Penguin Random House. And then I run with my friend Angela Giles, a literary magazine called The Manifestation. You can get there at um, themanifestation.net or just look in jenniferpasteloff.com because I just threw so many websites at you that you're probably <laughs> overwhelmed. But if you go to jenniferpasteloff.com, all roads from there, you, you can find me. 
And we'll be sure to link the book and her website and her Instagram and all this good stuff in the show notes. So you can check that out at madevisiblepodcast.com. I pre-ordered my book already the day Did that you? Thank you. So I look forward to reading that. And I'm also really excited to see, you know, hopefully you share on Instagram and in general, this journey in learning sign language and where that takes you. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm like, really nervous and I'm going to suck at it and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fail. So I just said that out loud so I can get my, that's my inner asshole talking. I I call it the IA. So I'm going to share it openly and honestly and however long it takes, you know, and let go of any idea that I need to be perfect at it, but it's important and I'm excited to start learning it. And I think it's also been scary for me because that's a real step toward acknowledging the truth about, oh, wow, I really am hard of hearing. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, you know, it is about owning it and feeling good in your skin. And you present yourself in such a confident way that like, this is just who I am, or not just who I am. This is who I am. And I thank you so much for taking the time to record with me and have this conversation. So honestly, Thank you. And and thank you for, for being patient, you know, with yesterday. And then today we rescheduled for 4.30 Eastern time, but Jen over here thought Pacific. So thank you for being just kind. And I, I was so excited to do this podcast. This is so important. And my trainer that I'm working with, he's actually blind. Um, he was in a coma. I was in a car accident. So, you know, I joke around like, I'm deaf, you're blind. And um, I there's so many people that struggle with invisible illnesses. So I, I want to like share this with the world and really have everyone know about this. And I, I think what you're doing is so special. Whenever I talk about also the depression, you know, people really, um, they need that. They need to feel less alone and not as afraid as I did for so long. I agree. Thank you for those kind words. And thank you again. Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com. Follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.